0: Welcome to the Everyday Citizens Tactical Podcast, Episode 19, Evolution of Training and Culture. My name is Jeremy and I will be your host. Today I'm joined by Zaj, a shared owner of Endless Search Development Group and a firearms instructor local to Indiana. Today we discuss a wide range of topics in regard to training, preparedness, gear, and culture for the civilian bases. So, let's dive in.
1: Tell me turn it down and I'm a only turn up louder Yo. Call me what you want up but you kick on me no coward no. Straight the numbers we the people still the ones with power Fighting fire with fire time to take back what is ours Tell me turn it down and I'm a only turn up loud. Call me what you want up but you kick on me no coward no. Straight the numbers we the people still the ones with pride
0: Fight in fire with fire time to come cool. All right guys welcome back to the podcast and Zaj. welcome
1: Hey, thanks for having me, man.
0: Uh, we we got a really an open ended game to really talk about here. But first, you know, if you kind of want to give everybody the rundown on who you are and what you're about. Oh
1: man, uh, really? I'm 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 nobody. Um, one of the owners of Endless Search Development Group. Uh, I've been shooting like in this type of space uh, in this type of community for. God, since I graduated back in 2012, dating myself right there, though. But that's that's pretty much it. I just I'm a guy who likes learning things and teaching things.
0: For those that have not ever met him in person, he is a tall, beautifully bearded man. <laughs> you you were a lot bigger in person the first time I met you than I thought you were going to be. I'll be completely honest. I was like, damn, that man's massive. Take it as a compliment. Hell yeah. Your kids your kids will be warriors. Um yeah. so endless. Endless Search Development Group. Uh, do you kind of want to talk about where that comes from, you know, and, and you know why you guys kind of decided to launch your own project?
1: Yeah, sure. So at the time I was, well, shortly before we started Endless Search Development Group, uh, I was I was with S and G Armament, and it just it wasn't working out for me. Um, I just I saw things a little bit differently um, than my other business partner. And Coulter, who was with me in that, uh, there was a three-man operation, me, Coulter, and the other guy, um, me and Coulter decided that we wanted to go somewhere else, do our own thing, and really focus on, uh, ha- have it, have a different focus, you know, it wasn't just about gun parts and shit, you know, we, we wanted to train with people, we wanted to engage, you know, and the search to to learn and gain knowledge was, was endless. You know, there is no ending point. So we like, hey, you know, let's just call it endless search development group because we do want to develop new products. And we kind of, you know, we want to we want to get out ahead of things and then really be able to, you know, put them out in a di- di- digestible form for anybody that uh, wants to learn it. So, yeah.
0: You guys don't have a website right now, correct?
1: No. Oh, I my God. I did not God. think so.
0: I, I, I looked for one, but I couldn't find it.
1: We are so um, – we, we want to make sure everyone like me, your uh, Uriah and Coulter, uh, we all want to make sure that you know we've we got all of our T's uh, crossed and our I's dotted with the legalese and all that before we do it. We're right on the cusp of creating a website. Um, but yeah, it's right now it is not up. Gotcha. okay.
0: but you are on Instagram. so for those yes. that are interested, I will uh, I will put that in his bio down below. Um have you guys messed around with any type of actual gear development yet as far as like in-house, not necessarily out of house testing?
1: Yes, actually. Um, we're one of our first products that we're gonna develop is a sling okay. because we figure it's it's easy enough um, as we've discovered it's not easy enough but it never is. <laughs> you know that's anything really. You know, because we want to put out a quality product, but uh, Coulter is in charge of doing that. Uh, we want to put out an affordable sling that works uh, for just like a general purpose rifle and then kind of build off that for like uh, like the LSW type rifles and things. But that's what we're doing right now is that's our first like product we're developing is a sling because, uh, you know, hey, if you, there's a million different slings out there, but if you want to support us and you feel like we put out a good product, Cool. You can buy our sling. Other than that, we've been—I've uh, been offering rifle classes. I've—I've uh, I've slimmed down the amount of classes that uh, we're offering this year simply because uh, I do have a child on the way, so I need to plan Let's around do. that. <laughs> Thank you. Do, you.
0: do you feel like? H- how have you guys been doing signups for the class without the website? How can guys get a hold <sighs> of you for that?
1: Man, I'll tell you, it—if—if if, if I were on the other end of it. I would be like, ah, it's kind of sketch. I don't know, but like, I guess just you know, people have through word of mouth, through guys who have taken uh, classes through me before, mm-hmm. and people who have like worked with us have been like, hey, yeah, this guy, he he can he can teach you what he's offering to teach. But what it is is people just hit up our Instagram. Hey, I'd like to sign up for this class, and usually they'll say, I see you don't have a website, and I'm like, hey, give me your name, your phone number. I'm gonna put you down on our schedule, and then I'll send you the the details you know the final details before the class and everything but uh yeah right now it's just bring bring cash day of
0: gotcha do you see the company being more training oriented or gear oriented in the long term plan
1: man i it it really depends i would i would like to see personally because i i focus on the training aspect of it i would like to see more of the uh, the training aspect grow because mm-hmm. in turn that means that I've learned more and I'm confident enough in what I've learned to teach it to other people. So that means I will have grown exponentially if I'm able to, you know, offer those types of classes. So Ge- yeah,
0: developing gears is, is a hell of a commitment and, and very resource demanding. Yeah, I've uh, I've looked into development in-house here for us to on a few different projects. And the the skill set alone, specifically if you're trying to work with like nylon or something, uh, the the resources needed, machines, material, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a it's a de- it's a demanding
1: oh dude yeah
0: project to to say the least. Just today, oh, yeah. actually, in the mail, um, I've kind of put developing our own gear on the back burner, but just today in the mail, I have uh gotten a box from a company that we're looking to work with as a distributor they sent us a bunch uh, of their gear to look over and decide you know what we would want to sell uh, mm. through our websites i won't say it live on air just because nothing is super official yet but we've done some work with them in the past um but so i'm trying to get into the gear side a little more um, I think I've talked to you about it in the past. and I've talked about it on YouTube briefly. Yes, um, we
1: have talked about it. <laughs>
0: we, uh, I, you know, I kind of want to dev- open a retail facility outside of training that can be a place for people to get reliable, purpose-driven gear, not just a bunch of junk that happens to be sold at their local sporting Goods store. Yes. Um, so I feel like this is kind of a step in that direction on our side. But, but yeah, gear, I, gear is... That's that's a project to say the least.
1: Oh, dude, it is, and uh, I gotta say, I'm very excited for you to to be like breaking into that because the demand is there. You know, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I just want to do it online, and doing it online is, you know, it's the it's the safe way to do it, and you know, it's it's really hard to put up the money for a storefront, but Mm -hmm. the demand is there, and it's only going to grow. I can say that for sure.
0: And I feel like, I mean, at least I, I think I can speak for most people is. If you could go in person and literally hold something in front of you and see whether you like it or not, is this the size that I wanted? Is this the cut that I wanted? Is this truly the correct shade color that I wanted of this pouch, sling, etc., etc., etc.? That that carries yeah. a whole lot of weight. I mean, how many it variations does. of OD Green is there online?
1: Oh, too many.
0: Too many. <laughs> so I think, it's, I think it could definitely change the game. But you're right. I mean, that's a lot of upfront capital so yeah and the economy is not kind to us small business owners
1: god no fuck no dude
0: <laughs> and it's and it's not the fault of the customer base by any no means. it's no, just it is not. a product of the times unfortunately
1: yep yeah but um, i mean if if there is a person out there who who you know can't afford to do it and can do it right i mean they're gonna succeed i mean just look at commando store mm-hmm. you know for one as one example but yeah
0: so, I mean, outside of you know, the business page, your personal page yourself, you know, you seem, especially I'd say over the past several months, have really kind of started coming into being an influencer of culture, I would say. <laughs> I, I use the word culture a lot. And I talk about culture with a lot of my guests because yeah. I feel like there's so many different aspects to the 2A to culture at this point or whatever title we're putting on it. And I feel like discussing the culture of it more embraces the change and pro- progress of culture. Yes. Um, but you seem to be a pretty big, um, I guess, influencer of the sense. I say influencer in a good way, not like you have 15,000 followers influencer sense, <laughs> but just like <laughs> no, quality content it. and a good message
1: yeah, you know I was actually thinking about that the other day about the word influencer, and I was like, you know it it has a it has a negative connotation to it, but really, if you think about it, you are influencing culture. I mean, it's a if you think about it the right way, I mean, it is a compliment. Mm-hmm.
0: have you has your page ever been deleted?
1: Uh, I guess some I guess some wood I'm gonna knock on.
0: No, it's not yet. <laughs> how, is, how is your page not more popular? I don't understand. Uh, Cause I'm looking I'm, at your page right now. This is all quality content.
1: I appreciate it. And I'll say the majority of that, um, because it is Instagram, I got to give a shout out to my brother, Uriah. Um, he's got like three different Instagram profiles, but <laughs> mm-hmm. he's a photographer and I'll tell you what, he's, he's damn good at it. You know, that's, that's one reason I, I wanted him in the business is, uh, we used to actually play music together and we were in a, uh, oh, we were okay. in a band that was about to start touring, but you know, when he played guitar, it was like, Hey, this guy's, you know, he fucking commits. Um, he's good at what he does and he commits himself to what he does. And I was like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta start a business together. But yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the credit goes to him. He does a lot of great photography and, uh, I've been able to use some of that.
0: Photography and videography is so important. You're familiar with dirty civilian Drew Hopkins new project, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Their content quality is on a different level.
1: It's, it's near cinematic.
0: It I'd really say. is. Yeah, yeah. I, I am very jealous. I've been since I've started doing anything in regard to this. I've been recording everything on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. I edit, take, record, post everything on my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am looking into getting a camera within the next six months, like an actual good, you know, high quality camera. I feel like it's just one of those business expenses that has to be done.
1: It's, it's, it's well worth it, especially when you have someone who knows how to use it. But the problem that you always run into is the photographer's curse. Um, it's when you're the photographer and there's a CQB class, everyone's like, oh man, we don't really get to do a CQB class very often. We've got a cool facility. Hey, Uriah, or hey, photographer, bring your camera. And it's like, well, they're, they're going to spend three quarters of their time getting content instead Mm -hmm. of learning (laughs) for sure for sure but it does help it does help you know um, propaganda in a good way the better it looks the more attractive it is yeah
0: so i guess one of the big things i kind of want to dive into as far as culture goes is you know what do you think has caused the big shift in ideology from pre-pandemic to post-pandemic
1: You know, that's a, that's a really good question a really good topic. And unfortunately I'm able to talk about things for a really long time. So, but (laughs) I do want to say, I think I have somewhat of a unique perspective on this simply because, you know, being in this, in this, uh, for lack of a better term, community shooting scene, whatever, Mm -hmm. since, like I said, 2012, you know, back when it was cringe to wear a plate carrier to a gun range and people looked at you like you were a fucking nut. Um, I have to say that, you know, while I didn't have all the knowledge then that I have now, of course, I still I had the same sort of mindset and working at gun stores and like interacting, you know, with the public on a a daily basis. There was definitely like a hard shift. And I I want to I want to say that that actually started before the pandemic. Mm, Okay. Um, it might just be the way that maybe I, it's my personal bias. Like I want to, to see things that way or whatever, but you know, that's what I truly think. I think I seen it before the pandemic because there was sort of a, uh, not necessarily that it was cool, but it's like, Hey, look, maybe we need this because things are starting to get a little weird. And it's like 2020 was just like very, uh, it was like accelerated, you know, it was, it was time accelerated and everything happened really quickly. And it lit a fire under people's ass. But I mean, you've seen people who lived in the country and um, in very in rather secluded areas, even buying armor and thinking, you know, Hey, you know, one day this could show up on my doorstep, even though it's happening 40 something miles away over in Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. <sighs> you know, just in my neck of the woods. That's what I seen. And it's like, you know, the average individual might think, Hey, you know, why is this guy who lives, you know, 10 miles out from a small town where nothing even happened, buying armor and rifles and training and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think the more that people expose themselves to real life and to, um, everything that that was going on before and after the pandemic, but the pandemic kind of highlighted everything. Mm -hmm. But the more they expose themselves to that, the more they realize I'm responsible for my own, for my own safety and for the safety of my family and it comes down to more than just rioters it comes down to I mean really I think Hurricane Katrina was one of the biggest examples of or uh, it was a really good example and that should have woke people up but mm-hmm. it simply for the lack of news coverage on that it didn't Yeah. you know me myself it didn't wait like I didn't realize how bad Katrina was until I came across I used to Browse 4chan all the time, mm-hmm. and I came across a Hurricane Katrina thread, and I was like, "Huh, this looks interesting." And then I seen dead bodies in the streets, pictures of uh, gunfights on over overpasses, and started reading accounts and everything else, and I was like, "Holy, holy shit!" Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think that people uh, realizing that the 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 world we live in is not the norm. We don't live in what's what's considered the norm here in the United States. Mm-hmm. We're we're rather we're rather secure.
0: Sure, absolutely. And I think with with I would say the side of the community or culture that we kind of sit on, twenty twenty kind of served, and really since twenty twenty has kind of served as a multi faced way of of changing people's social and cultural beliefs because on one end we had we had everything with the summer of love which i'd like to get back to louisville in a minute because i'm Mm -hmm. also very familiar with that Um, we had everything that happened with the summer of love you know the blm and antifa riots and Mm -hmm. i don't think people as much as there was media coverage around it i don't think people truly grasp how violent some places really got and even places that did not have media coverage were there still nonetheless very violent, mm-hmm. almost animal-like in some sense. Yes. And that's not a racial bit by any means. It's just quite literally like human instinctually animal-like violence.
1: Oh, yeah. That's, if, if I can interrupt <laughs> real quick. Um, are you familiar with uh, Gustave Le Bon?
0: Uh, vaguely.
1: Okay, so I I can't even say I'm that familiar with him, but he wrote a book. Bec- it was called... Uh, um, it was it was it was about how people get when they're in a group mm-hmm. and uh, This was written in the 18. I think it was the late 1800s could be wrong on that But I have yet to pick up the book. I need to just get it on audible I need to make a note, but uh, It's about you know humans and what how, how how our mind changes once we get into a group setting and uh, it's, it's really interesting because you've seen a, you've seen a lot of this in real life in real time as the mobs were moving around major cities but it's it's a very interesting to look into and it's a very interesting to think about but as you were saying
0: uh, yes yeah, so we had the one one portion of this which was the riots and the social, socialist militant side of all this and then on the other side i think people of more right leaning political ideology started to realize that The state – and I mean the state as in government, not necessarily the specific state government, just Mm -hmm. government as a whole – is not quite as on your side, even at the local level, as people maybe once thought. And as always, this this is not a pro or anti-cop conversation. Mm -hmm. We always look at things objectively and and unbiased. But in a lot of places and at different levels of law enforcement, you know – very extreme lockdown policies and mandates and rules and whatnot were enforced sometime through very physical force in some places of the country. Yep. Your, you know, little 2,500 person town might not have been that way, but that doesn't mean the suburban town 15 miles away from you where major trade and logistics happens out of that supports your little, your little town didn't also get exposed to that. Yeah. Um, and, and that goes even on the even heavier onto the federal agency side as well. As far as you know, uh, labeling parents domestic terrorists possibly at school conferences, and you know oh, yeah. the extensive amounts of you know spying and all that kind of stuff. You know, a lot of people forget that when COVID first happened, that Trump placed Pence in charge of various surveillance programs aimed at, you know, COVID policies. Yep. Um, and I think and I, and just to, I guess, to summarize all of it is that people kind of started to see that it wasn't so black and blue, left first, right, me versus you. It's kind of like, it seems like all of the odds are against me and I'm kind of on my own. And I think a lot of people started to realize that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent, man.
0: Um, but back to the, let's, if you'd like to, we can kind of dive into the Louisville thing.
1: Yeah. um, I sort of have an interesting perspective on that, man. Um, (laughs) I was on vacation. Um, I took two weeks off at a time. I was on vacation and I had nothing better to do. And uh, a friend that I had worked on short films with um, messaged me out of the blue and he said, hey, what are you doing? I said, nothing. He said, you want to come work security? I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. And, uh, turns out he was, he was, uh, he had started a small security company and he, uh, I guess had a, some sort of a contract or was subcontracted out to do security for WLKY. And they would, they covered the, um, how NFAC rallies. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I went with them to one of those and, uh, that, that was an interesting time. That was really interesting.
0: A lot of Kentuckians, and I'm sure it's kind of the same for Southern Indiana as well, since you guys are very Louisville close, but a lot of Kentuckians don't realize how truly violent Louisville was and how organized the movement was there for about five to six months. Um, I know just from my own personal experience without diluting too much is that I mean, that, that, that was, none of that was sporadic in Louisville, in a sense. You know, after the initial riots broke out kind of nationwide, there were very organized elements of larger networks that kind of pulled the strings and coordinated what happened in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't know how heavily, you know, explosive devices were used in Louisville and just planted in random you know, public places Yeah, I mean, aimed at being against police. But if they didn't go off on place, they were just left there and they may go off when a normal civilian car drives by or someone I mean just it, Louisville was a wild time.
1: It was, um, I know of, I, I, I don't think I have the exposure to as much as you did, but through a friends, um, wife's sister's um relation i happened to know somebody who was um who worked with lmpd and i'm not going to say in what capacity mm-hmm. but he he knew a lot about what was going on and uh yeah he he told me as well about the ex- there was like explosive devices planted in certain places mm-hmm. um that, that shit was wild man
0: i think i think one of the other big things that we learned from 2020 in all the thrives not specifically to Louisville just across a, a multitude of cities is that those efforts were very organized um, mm-hmm. And I think it kind of gave a little bit of a wake-up call to to the general person that may find themselves more to a mindset uh, aligned in mindsets is that there are people out there that are organizing planning and training to do you harm. Or mm-hmm. to destroy your community. It's not a joke. It's not an internet conspiracy theory. It's real. It's very real. For some reason, it only happens around election years. And it gets worse every election year since, like, 2012. But Yeah. But um, I, I think, like, if I look back outside of, like, riots and whatnot that happened after, like, natural disasters, I think, like, the first big... Antifa BLM style riot was like Ferguson, Missouri.
1: Yes, I remember that.
0: There was a little bit with like Occupy Wall Street, but it wasn't quite the level of violence that like came at Ferguson, Missouri, and then everything thereafter.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think. See, I remember watching Ferguson, Missouri. Um, I remember exactly where I was too. I was at uh, my old boss's house. I was. I had a computer over there. I'd actually lived with him for a short time and I was in the office on my computer and I was watching the helicopter news footage and I just could not believe what I was seeing As that, you know, that was really one of the first times that I was really exposed to it in real time. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh my goodness, like this, this is real life. This is insane.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I- And really, since Ferguson, Missouri, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And really, people have forgotten 2020 already. But
1: yeah, you
0: you can. I mean, you could still look back on video footage from two or three dozen major cities across the U.S. Where it's crazy. It's it's insane.
1: Oh yeah, we're not
0: we're not being very descriptive at the moment, but it's. I mean, it's it's (laughs) kind of hard to like really comprehend. In a sense. It is like if I'm playing. The, go ahead, sorry.
1: No, 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 no. Go ahead, go ahead.
0: Because if I got like as we discussed it, I'm sitting here and I'm like replaying videos and other stuff I've seen in my own personal time in my head from all of these events from 2020, and it's like, how did this happen? How did we get here? Like, it truly is hard to understand.
1: It, yeah, with without being like. God, I'm going to sound like a Rick and Morty. Like we have to have a really high IQ to understand Rick and Morty. Like I'm not trying to be like that, but like you really do have to really understand and have a good grasp on politics and not just like the blue versus red politics, but really understand politics and understand, um, at least have somewhat of an understanding of fringe groups to know or somewhat comprehend what's going on. Um, in my spare time well, not in my spare time. I don't have a lot of that, but so that? While, I'm, yeah. <laughs> while I'm working, um, which I drive a long way to work. And so when I work, I like on the way to work, working and all the way back, I have about 10 and a half, 11 hours worth of time to listen to podcasts and books and things. So that, you know, that's, that's a nice thing, but I like to, when I'm, not listening to you know my regulars, I'll listen to far left and far right podcasts just to kind of see what they're saying about each other and see what you know what's going on and see what kind of groups are growing and all that. But um, it's it is interesting because you see you'll see you know you can find any day of the week an arrest video of uh, anyone anywhere, and it can be violent or nonviolent. But what is interesting is the fact that once once you know I don't I don't know maybe maybe it is only around election years but it's like only certain arrest videos whether they're violent or not go viral and then people protest but the thing is people don't necessarily self-organize that's not really a thing people get outraged but because of reactance theory and because people can comment and repost videos online and, and shitpost and be mad online um, that kind of keeps people from getting out into the streets. So when people do get out into the streets, that has been, you know, like you were talking about, that has been organized. So you know, seeing seeing what what gets protested and you know what causes riots and what doesn't, mm-hmm. it's it's is really interesting. The
0: media perception too of. Gun ownership, because gun ownership has obviously skyrocketed since COVID has started. Yes. Um, The media perception of gun ownership when it comes to, like, maybe like a socialist guns group or an LGBTQ guns group or, you know, whatever it might be, because there's a lot of those that, like, Vice does and all that kind of stuff.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: The coverage of that kind of stuff is completely different than the coverage of, you know, somebody from our side or even. Even if they don't have the ability to go in and see what, you know, a right wing group may be doing, they just take stuff from the internet and and just start spewing, you know, whatever their political spin is on stuff. Yeah. Have you seen any of like the like the little ten minute documentaries of like these socialist gun groups?
1: Yeah. Um, sometimes it, it pains me to, but I watch them because I know it's 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 somewhat important mm-hmm. to uh, keep an idea. Or keep kind of keep tabs on what's going on in the world, not necessarily like oh well I need to keep tabs on the these on these furry gun owners because they're a threat <laughs> to me, but it's like you know I mean just keeping keeping an idea of what's going on in the world and uh, just staying informed. It's 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 so cringy to watch though because they. They 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 blow smoke up these up these people's asses, and then like you see them go to the range and shoot with all this like ill fitting gear, and SK, They're always com block weapons typically, um, but on the contrary, I have seen a few where you know they are people who have been volunteering for. Um, Helping out, I think it's the YPG and other like socialist groups in the Middle East. Um, They go over there and, you know, what's granted, they're probably just sitting in a dirt hut for a few weeks and, you know, driving, you know, meals and and maybe munitions around in a relatively low danger area. But the fact is, they're still doing this stuff and they're bringing that back and they're teaching uh, their groups about it.
0: The big thing right now is the Ukrainian Russian conflict. Yeah. There is a lot of anarchist and antifa both american and european based antifa groups that have basically been documenting their journey as part of this foreign legion group in in, from the on the ukrainian side which is very odd considering ukraine has an entire battalion dedicated to nazism but that's a completely different conversation yeah Um, i guess i guess with that being said one thing, I mean, the one thing you did say is like you know, uh, some of these guys are kind of cringy with their ill-fitted gear and all this kind of stuff. But when you think back on it, like ten years ago, that's kind of what two A organizing kind of looked like.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody knows what the what the woodland-clad fat guys who play militia in the woods look like mm-hmm. from like nineteen ninety two. We we remember that. So not you not know, too far off.
0: What do these? you know, what do these folks look like in five to 10 years? Yeah. Do they, do they change, adapt and grow similar to, I wouldn't even call us right wing leaning people. I really don't know what to call us. Um, Just this, this realm of Instagram and social media that I think like you and I find ourselves on. I don't think it's right wing necessarily. It probably is like if you truly look down into it, but none of us really call
1: ourselves like right wing. Yeah. I mean, I, I I like to use the term normal.
0: Normal is normal is a good because <laughs> in reality at this point I think we are becoming more normal yeah than than what our counterparts really look like. <laughs> um, but you know moving forward, you know, a couple of years from now, let's just you know stay on our side of the on the river here. Yeah. you know where do you think the culture really goes from here?
1: So from here, you know i don't I don't know how many people listening to this seen my last post on gun culture three point five. Which was a great post, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, I I, I called it 3.5 because we're not necessarily at 4.0. Because some people are still at the, um, I don't know, I guess you could say like 2.9 or something. But I think... From here, where the majority of people at—not necessarily where we are at, or you know, our respective groups are at—but it's the um, the next step and the next evolution is is working on logistics, like logistics, communication, everything besides shooting, because everyone has focused on shooting for so long and so hard that I'd say the majority of people have shooting down pretty well especially con- considering where we were at pre 2020 mm-hmm. um you know every it was it was really positive to see everybody tagging each other in their stories being like hey let's see your let's see your dry fire times and let's see your split you know, times and that. yeah dude the 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 1r1 split time <laughs> measuring times those were fun um but now i think it's it's you know because you have guys like uh excuse me you have guys like the guys from the longhouse and mm-hmm. they they do the i forget how many weeks ago it was but you know they were doing like logistics training and then uh, a couple weeks ago uh, me and some friends went out and trained and we were doing water pro- procuring and uh purification and all that mm-hmm. uh so everybody in some form or another i think it's it's all about logistics but I think right now we're in the transition phase going from focusing more on shooting to focusing more on that. Um, that's why I call that post 3.5. Um, so that's, that's where I think we're at and that's where I think we're going. And as much as we could probably look
0: at it and we could call it what it really is, which is like a, a better revamp of the militia movement. I don't think that's what we can call it. I, I, I see the community more as preppers who are ready to defend themselves?
1: Well, maybe yes. maybe in a sense. I don't know. Am I wrong well, of that? What do you it's think? it's hard to pin down, honestly, because I mean, if you use words in their in their most literal sense and in their most like boiled, if you really boil it down, you know, the word words have been uh, I don't know ruined. I guess. Sure. It's like saying "based" used to be like "oh, that's based," and it's like "oh, that's cool," but now everyone starts to say base this base that and then it becomes cringe. <laughs> so base cringe, base, cringe. you know, whatever. But like, you know, um, like, so the word militia became very, um, it's like, it's like, Ooh, it's the M word. It's Cringy. the militia word. And every, yes, exactly. Everyone, everyone pictures the overweight dudes in the woods, um, saluting each other and giving themselves like fake ranks and stuff like that. But I mean, I when I I try to think myself when I think of the word militia of you know our forefathers and the founding fathers and what they did and it just being a literal community like we are creating a parallel society for um I mean I don't Ooh, know that's a, I, that's a good way I, of putting it I, that's that's the way I like to think of it is we're creating a parallel society mm-hmm. whether you know society outside of us outside of our our groups and whatnot. And when I say groups, I mean like our families, the, our friends, the people we shoot and train with, you know, outside of our groups is like, hey, this this trans thing is normal. Like, hey, that's not normal with our family. You know, we, we have, <clears throat> we, we try to raise our own food. We, you know, we raise our own gardens. Um, we're going to raise our children a different way, perhaps homeschooling. I mean, really, it, it starts to, I, I don't mean clash in a negative way. It starts to clash with just I don't know. I don't want to say frontier lifestyle because obviously we're not living on a frontier, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're,
0: we're going back to the, the village mindset in a sense. Yes. We're taking a tribal village mindset. We're taking a step forward by going
1: backwards. Yes. And things just being more. And another trend you'll notice is guys are more guys than not are coming back to Christ and coming back, you know, whether it's, whether it's Catholicism, Protestantism, whatever, more guys are coming back to it, myself included.
0: It's interesting. I I very much like, I don't push it as much. And I think it's because I don't feel, what would be the word? Not qualified. I, I don't speak on it as much as I feel like I should sometimes, but I have noticed that a lot of people have come back, to Christianity in a sense. And if Mm -hmm. not being a devout Christian of regardless of domination, at least maybe the ideology of traditionalism that kind of comes with the sense of Christianity. Yes. Because for like like people like myself who was a very devout and strict Catholic for a long time, I no longer really associate myself with any specific church specifically Mm -hmm. through distrust of man. I think, yeah. man, I think man has ruined religion. So I seek Christ in my own self and my surroundings instead of being like, I am XYZ title.
1: Yes, which absolutely. Is why I,
0: which is why I feel like I don't really talk about it as much because I feel like that's kind of unique to me.
1: And, At least not publicly. I don't know. I feel like everyone's kind of – not everyone, but I feel like the majority of guys, especially guys who are like who, – who are um, – I don't want to say just now joining this – this movement, but like kind of like the guy who just started paying attention in 2020 is like he's part of, I don't know, I guess for lack of a better term, our thing. Now, he's uh, he's like, hey, these are the values that I have and they line up with Christianity. So, I mean, you know, if, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, you know, it, you're 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 a Christian. I mean, it's just that's the way that we that's the way I was raised. It's mm-hmm. the way most of our guys were raised. Um, so, I mean, it were, whether it's, you know, Protestantism or whatever, guys are coming back to Christ. And I think that, you know, I can't really speak that well on it because I'll call my buddy, I'll call a culter sometimes like, Hey man, when you're on your way to work, call me, I have a, I have a question about this or that and he'll, I'll, he'll like answer it. So, um, you know, I'm, I can't really say that I can really talk on it either, but, uh, it, uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, uh, it's, it's definitely a good thing. It's I think there's a good thing
0: I use the word morality a lot and I use it a lot with my local guys I think there's a return to the sense of morality yes because um, we've got guys in our group that aren't Christian by any means but everybody seems to be in the same uh, moral sense mm-hmm. and, and thought process and I think that's kind of starts to develop that community sense that that, that village that tribal um, mentality, yeah. You, know, that you were kind of talking about before is we may not all see the bigger picture the same, but everything that goes on down here, we agree. And yeah, we, the, we, want to, we want to make things better for ourselves and those around us.
1: Yeah, the here and the now. Everybody kind of everybody's on the same wavelength, mm-hmm. for the most part.
0: And you know, I it's funny you talk about like the parallel community that you're trying to develop because that, that quite literally is kind of what you with that where a lot of us are trying to do. Yeah. You may yeah. live in a town of 5,000 people, but you really only care about 10, 20, maybe 30, 40 families, you know, in your immediate circle. Not that you don't care about your community, but right, you yeah. know, your immediate sense of responsibility is those in your tribe. It's kind of like goes back to the 2020, like find your tribe thing. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is my tribe. If everything yep. goes wrong, we're going to just all come here and just make a little you know 1650s you know village
1: Uh, (laughs) Yep. circle the wagons circle the (laughs) wagons we it's like
0: and and i i like how much people have started to go back towards gardening and homesteading and whatnot regardless of what scale everybody's trying to do it on and it makes me wonder at what point does that become so popular that the infamous they tries to shut that down in some Ooh. form. Because I've, because like I own social media, like even for like my business TikTok, and I hate having a TikTok. It was just the one app I didn't get deleted off of. So we, <laughs> I had to have a business TikTok. But like my business TikTok is just like full of chicken and homesteading videos because I like a lot of that kind of stuff because nice. it's better than my feed being full of thirst traps. Oh, God. Um, which that's a whole different conversation.
1: Don't even get me started. <laughs> I
0: know. Um, regardless of people's political mindsets, you know, a lot of people are going back to, you know, let's build raised beds. Let's have chickens. How do I do meat rabbits? How do I, you know, make bread? Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, at what point does the infamous day go? Those people are getting a little too independent for my liking.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's already started to happen. Um, and in, in small scale, you see a lot of the attacks on, uh, well, bird flu and then this and that. And then the price of eggs goes up. Um, and I think that to to a very small extent, it has started to happen. But it won't take much for, you know, the media to say, well, if you know someone that's raising chickens on their own, um, there, it's probably you know a bad practice, and it's indicative that they don't trust government. So if you see someone raising chickens, just know that they're probably an extremist, and like it just it's not going to take much. It that's, it won't it, it it's it's going to happen.
0: That's really true. I, I've seen some of that already. It it's weird how openly. Biased and goal-driven, the media of all senses really are. Because there are, yes. I remember there were even like small government municipals and whatnot at some point throughout like 2022 that said if you know if your neighbor is a prepper and keeps extra food and water around their house, you know that's a sign of extremism. <laughs> like <laughs> out of out of all the things that have continued to happen over the past three years alone national international you know having extra food and water is now a sign that you're an extremist
1: oh my god after they
0: locked (laughs) us in our houses like it's just it's mind-blowing to me
1: oh yeah i i I can't even begin to wrap my head around these things man like sometimes i see these headlines and i'm just so worn out like someone will come up to me just like gasping out of breath like can can you can you believe this and i'm just like i can believe it it's been happening i it's been happening (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> the amount of our infrastructure that's been destroyed over the past 9 months is very odd. Oh yeah. And I think there's probably a logical reason for most of that. I mean if if you look at if you talk to anybody that's in trades, you know, the the logistical side of parts and maintenance is still very 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 behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your favorite cereal might be back on the on the shelf in the store, but that doesn't mean you know, that the water treatment plant down the road has correct, you know, parts for regular maintenance or that they have enough maintenance guys to actually do proper work. And mm-hmm. instead it's just one guy stretched over 12 hours and there's only four dudes and they're always on call and they're just, you know, tired out of their minds.
1: Uh, I mean, we're already seeing that. So if I could, I don't, I'm not going to make a pun here because it's the wrong thing to do, but I'm going to, I'm going do to it. derail real quick, and I'm going to derail. So we're already do seeing it. the effects of this. If, okay, so once that, once, the, um, once that derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, happened, mm-hmm. of course, naturally, the news and everybody else starts reporting on all these other derailments. Okay, well, first of all, these do happen, um, I don't want to say often, but they happen more often than people are aware. Yeah, it's almost uh, daily it,
0: when you look at the actual number
1: right so but i do think it has gotten worse now that very well could be a result of um the our our government telling csx and all these all these other you know railroad companies and all their workers fuck you get back to work we're not giving you an extra sick day like mm-hmm. these people have like no joke been railroaded like railroad workers got fucked be and, and they they should have they should have uh they should have went on strike. Uh, and I know they did, but the, the union did them wrong. The government did them wrong, but, um, it's, I think we're seeing a result of that because either more people are quitting or they're not hiring, um, candidates who can actually fill that role. They're not hiring people who care. They're desperate for, for, for bodies to put in these roles. And we're seeing these, these mistakes happen. And I think personally at it, at it, an increase like an increasing rate. So we're seeing the effects of that. And to think that that's not going to happen with your local township and the water treatment plant there. I mean, that's, that's a stretch to think that that's not happening as well.
0: I think the parts in the maintenance side of this place an, an even bigger role I mean, because you think about how much material, if not complete parts or sets of parts comes from overseas. Yeah. And, you know, all of that is on the wayside. You know, the COVID policies in China alone has, you know, devastated worldwide logistics, but now sanctions on any country that does anything that we say is not okay and the war in Ukraine and the price of fuel. And I mean, it's everything just is kind of falling apart. I, I'm not a 100% a believer that there's like little Russian and Chinese agents running around destroying all of our infrastructure. I think we're just kind of bearing the consequences of our own action or inaction, and we're just now kind of starting to really recognize it.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's pretty plausible, especially with the just-in-time supply system mm-hmm. or supply chain that we, we have as a country.
0: Now, the one thing that has been weird, aside from this, is the amount of food processing plants that have caught fire and just random kind of flock... herds of animals throughout large industrial complexes that just have have died off
1: yeah they just just die
0: it's it's that part's odd
1: and you know I don't I hate to get well I don't hate to get conspiratorial conspiracy theories are fun but Mm -hmm. you know loose lips sink ships I'm not trying to spread you know FUD here or anything but um the the it's it's really odd it's really odd When a meat replacement company owns stock in like other companies that specialize in poultry, beef, and things like that. And then all this shit starts happening. Just saying. I'm just saying.
0: (laughs) And, you know, the drought that we had last year was brutal. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been one. We've had a very odd winter because it's been a wet winter, at least for us East Coasters. Mm -hmm. But it's been warm. But out West throughout, like, the plains and then into California and whatnot, it's been really cold. Like, we've done it. Yeah. I was looking at a map the other day, you know, being a weather nerd, and pretty much we're at the extreme opposites of each other. Like, we're at, like, record warm for our time of year here, and they're at record cold. Like, there's parts of California that has eight feet of snow right now.
1: Yeah, i seen that. That is – that's actually news that does surprise me right now.
0: <laughs> and, you know, even, like, if you go to, like, Oklahoma and parts of Kansas and places throughout, the, like, the Plains area, of the Midwest, they still, even through winter, are at, like, record levels of low precipitation. Yeah. Which in, which, in turn, just really hits, you know, like, the cattle market and whatnot and the price of hay. The price of hay out west is – is unbelievable. Really? Um, Yeah. Um, Earlier in the podcast, like episode three or four, somewhere around there, I had um, my buddy Willard on here who lives out in Wyoming and we talked about it. And I have several other rancher friends just from the Marine Corps and other connections that live throughout Wyoming, Montana, Iowa, the Dakotas, so on and so forth. And hay is just expensive. Some of those guys Mm. are driving like all the way to, like Arkansas and Mississippi and states like that, just to get hay and then are trailering it back. Wow. You've got to put that into the perspective of diesel prices being higher than they ever ever have been, especially this time last year, that their, <sighs> op- their option was to drive 2,500 3,000 miles to get hay because it beat the cost of hay that's in their local area.
1: That's wild.
0: So our, our agriculture, in a sense, is – is is shaky to say the best and the rest of the world is is not exactly um is is not exactly doing better either and you know the wheat and barley and corn uh development oh i'm sorry i guess just say harvest coming from this coming year after this as we go into the second year of the war in ukraine is going to be even worse yeah because because there's always there's always about a nine to twelve month offset of Food availability. So, like the food Mm -hmm. we're eating right now is really the tail end of like the 2021 harvest. Mm
1: -hmm. And then,
0: so after the cusp of this summer, we start to eat the 2022 harvest just because that's, you know, how big the international chain of food really is. Um, So, you know, after this summer, when we start eating last year's harvest, you know, how big. How much different does food prices change? How, what does the availability look like? And then, if right. we have another repeat of this summer and fall of last summer and fall, twenty twenty four looks even worse.
1: It's it's not looking good, <laughs> honestly. Um, I'm growing so much corn this year. We we actually just had a meeting uh, last week about what we were going to grow in our garden, and you know what changes we were going to make, and so on and so forth. So I might actually, um, off, off the podcast, I might actually be hitting you up on tips for our garden and whatnot, yeah, but you know, we've, we've, it's gotten to a point where it's serious <laughs> enough to us that, um, I don't like sweet potatoes, but it was brought up that we should probably put sweet potatoes and other things that are often used, um, in baby food in the garden because yeah. a lot of us have babies, either babies on the way Um, babies that are still eating, you know, mushy food and whatnot, but you know, anybody who does have a kid or has some on the way or, you know, it's something to consider, um, is, is, you know, what your children are going to eat as well.
0: I don't mean, you know, to throw my own buddies under the bus, but their pain is everybody else's learning lessons. Uh, do you remember the formula shortage we had this time last year? Yep. I had a buddy whose baby was like three or four months old at that point and breastfeeding was no longer really becoming an option. And he was a part of my local crew at the time. He has since then kind of departed on good terms. But um, for the longest time, I was telling him, I was like, dude, you need to make sure you got your kids prepped squared away. Like, I know it seems ridiculous or whatever, but if something happens, that kid is the most important thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And you need to have it squared away. And he didn't. Months and months and months passed. And then all of a sudden, we run into a formula shortage at the time where they're starting to transition out of breastfeeding or whatever. Mm. And he was in a panic for weeks. Driving to, you know, half a dozen stores every day after work, all throughout the region, trying to find formula every single day, and I was like, "Dude, I told you." Yeah, it, it's a very it's prepping is the most simple sense of insurance that you can do. Yep, and for some reason, people act like it's this giant hassle or it's this giant chore that they have to do. Yeah, when it's not tackling nineteen homesteading projects at once, that's that's extreme. Yeah, it's sim- a little
1: tough. <laughs>
0: but simply just putting extra food and maybe some medicine and you know some dried goods away in a closet or in a room that you don't use in your house is, is not hard.
1: No, it's it's something you can buy your way out buy your way out of.
0: It's probably once at this point just cuz money's tighter now. But it's probably once every other month I pick a dried good and I just fill an entire 30-gallon tub full of it in mylar bags rice flour sugar whatever it might be before earlier in the pandemic i was doing either a rice oats sugar or flour pretty much every single month but now now expenses are a little tighter and i've i've picked up many many hobbies Ah. uh i I wouldn't even call them hobbies i guess i would say uh self-sufficiency uh aspects obviously with the property and everything
1: night vision (laughs) <laughs> night vision as well. Night vision was
0: definitely a part of that. That's uh, at one point in time. Yeah. Um, get night vision, kids. You need night vision. Yes.
1: Uh, well, you know that brings up a good topic, um, and it's something that it's it's just a short one, but it's, it's something that a lot of guys don't really necessarily think about in our circles. Um, mm-hmm. Is budgeting, mm-hmm. guys. You got to budget. Like whether it's whether it's you know prepping and buying rice every time you go to the store or buying, you know, a dried good like Jeremy was just talking about or whether you want to buy night vision. If you waste your money and you're not careful with your money and you just blow money on like six different subscription services and Spotify and all this other, you know, useless stuff and then you claim you don't have money for like a like night vision or whatever, well, I mean, you need to learn how to budget better. Mm-hmm. And if you learn how to budget better, it's going to be better for yourself and in your, your family, if you have one in the long run, you know, whether it's prepping or buying night vision or money for training, I mean, <laughs> or in a budget. Yeah.
0: yeah if, you, if, if you're a person that's really been into like the tactical essence of stuff for a couple months and you're like, I can't afford night vision right now, like that's understandable. You just got into mm-hmm. this. Yeah. But if you've been telling me for three and a half, four years that you can't afford night vision, there, there are few circumstances where that is. Possibly acceptable. Mm -hmm. But like you just said, if you're blowing money on other, you know, wasteful things on a monthly basis, then, you know, you really don't have an excuse at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, even if you save $50 a month for like three years, which is like a 12 pack and a subscription service of your choice, you're almost, you're almost two grand. Yep. That's, that's the, bare bare minimum of savings right there two grand is almost at like a good pbs 14. yep i mean you could probably get i think you could get into like green pbs 14s at this point for like two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars yeah and, and white phosphorus is as low as three grand at this point
1: oh yeah you, dude, gotta- you- you gotta I gotta buy a cr-
0: mount, which the mount's expensive. But.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's everything that comes along with it, but yeah, I mean that's that's something else to take into consideration. But what people don't realize is that you know I last your I believe it was your last podcast where you talking about buying night vision and you said yeah. you put it on credit. It's not necessarily a bad thing mm-hmm. because you you can have that now and train with it now. And if you're if you're strict on your budgeting and you were going to be putting away you know two hundred dollars a week or $100 a week, or however much, and that can be going towards your credit card payment instead, if you are strict, Mm -hmm. it's not a bad idea, because you can build credit by buying night vision. Yeah, it's not not the worst idea. It's no
0: different than building credit through like getting a used car, or doing anything like that.
1: Exactly. And what most guys don't know, PayPal... PayPal doesn't want you to know this. But, <laughs> but you could put your you put your credit card on PayPal and pay someone for something used so you can get it even cheaper and then pay on it like you would where you would have bought it new, and it's a win-win situation. That's what I did. <laughs> and I got a Gen 3 green phosphor, um, PBS-14 with Carson glass, um, and basically no blims for $1,800. So.
0: Nice.
1: But I'm, I'm going to get off my – The the, the
0: night vision soapbox. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like like more people are starting to come around to it. But it's going to be—it's honestly at this point moving forward. If someone tells me they can't afford it, it's a little bit more understandable than it was like a year or two ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, because
0: times are getting or times are different. Yep,
1: that's for sure.
0: Like my my home escrow for my monthly mortgage payment just went up like three hundred twenty dollars a month. Same. I mean, I mean, if you, you start throwing curveballs at people like that and you tell me you can't afford a piece of gear, it's a little more understandable, you know, mm-hmm. circumci- circum, uh, circumstance dependent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Plus, you know, kids, you know, if you've got if you've got two kids and your wife's a stay-at-home mom and you're like, I can't afford night vision, I'll understand that. Yep. But if it's you're like different. 23 living in an apartment by yourself, it's like, all right, let's, yeah,
1: let's, nah. let's manage
0: our money a little bit better. <laughs> let's get us some night vision now.
1: Yeah. Man, guys,
0: need you these, for that night patrol.
1: Yeah, these so these young guys that come out to these classes, and believe it or not, the majority of guys that I have um, come to my classes are Zoomers, and I I don't want to say I told you so, but like you know, I, I would tell people you know years ago like, hey, these Zoomers, these are going to be the next generation. These are going to be the guys taking classes, um, especially affordable classes. Like these are going to be the next generation of guys doing this, mm-hmm. and a lot of the guys that sign up for my classes are Zoomers. Or they're my age, uh, so they're millennials. Mm -hmm. But these younger guys who are still living at home, you know, sometimes after class we'll talk and like, you know, asking them about they'll be asking about night vision. I'm like, well, do you have night vision? They're like, no. I'm like, do you live at home? Yeah. Do you have a girlfriend? I mean, that doesn't really matter or not, but you know, if you're living at home and you're you're not paying rent, like, what are you doing? Like, buy night vision. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, that that's night vision in three months, dude. That's night vision, like fast <laughs> shit hell my mortgage that's night vision in two months
1: oh my god dude don't You're get not me joking. on the
0: housing market don't even get me started on the housing market
1: i got my house just in time i mean i can't really complain we got a really good price on ours but like i i, I originally wanted to build because that's what my parents did and i still want to but like it's just fucking outrageous now but that's that's another time i guess yeah. <laughs> but
0: so kind of yeah. in the top, kind of in the topic of gear and whatnot. Um, you know, what are as far as like the community sense goes, those small group guys. What do you think some of the biggest overlooked pieces of
1: gear might be? Medical, hundred percent. That's number one, man. Guys will guys will have a fucking PEC fifteen on the rifle before they have a full med kit, and that's fucking ridiculous. That's, like, cra- that's crazy. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, Hey, good on you for buying that expensive stuff, bro. But, uh, what are you going to do if you, you know, your IFAC? <laughs> what, what are you going to do about an arterial bleed? My guy, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, so, and the thing is like medical is so cheap, especially compared to everything else. Like it's, it's not, it's not free, but like, man, you can, you can get a stocked IFAC for under 200 bucks.
0: Yeah. We, like, I mean, shit. Our IFAC, which is underpriced as it is, is only 110 bucks. And I think commercially it's valued at like $212 if you bought all of that yourself.
1: Man of the people right here.
0: Yeah. My dad yells at me all the time because I don't charge to correct profit ratios. <laughs> but I'm like, the people need it. Yeah. It needs to be cheaper.
1: There's man, it, there's a delicate balance, and I understand what you mean. Like when guys come up and hand me money for class, I'm always like I cringe a little bit because I'm like I'm taking money from these people to show them what I know. Like oh god, I feel so, I feel like the worst person in the world. But at the same time, I gotta like you gotta realize like you as a teacher and myself as a teacher and you as a retailer as well. It's like you know like hey we gotta make money on this stuff so that we can keep expanding so that we can keep doing this good work um you know i eventually want to transition over to just straight up part-time teaching and working where i'm at part-time um because i mean i want to keep my insurance but you know i want to i want to be able to make a living off that because man the more i do that the more people i can attract the more money i can make the more classes i can take myself and bring that value back to these guys here you know these guys here aren't gonna aren't gonna get on a plane and fly out west to go see travis haley and and learn all this shit but hey i can i can learn that stuff and i can do it a few times and i can really get a good grasp on some of these things and bring the value back to these guys Mm -hmm. that's how i view it
0: and yeah i mean in the 15 16 going on 16 months now that I've been a legit legal business with ECT. I have not taken a single dime in pay. Yeah. A single dime. Everything has gone towards either buying more product and putting product in more places, like our IFACs and everything. I finally got our IFACs into the realm of other people's retail, Mm. but also like expanding on different like production equipment or maybe even just funding projects to come up with ideas or change something myself So, like there may not be an immediate turnaround as far as like a product with a set price after that but we invested into an experiment per se
1: yeah um plus and,
0: just paying bills B- being a business is expensive
1: Fuck yeah it is dude it's, i mean there's so many bills
0: <laughs> it's like at this point between like you know email services and whatnot to have like a more official email the price of actually of having a website Shipping, which I talked about last episode.
1: Um, Unreal.
0: Me needing multiple separate phones because Instagram decided to delete me about 16 times in 2022. <sighs> oh, man, God. That's, you know, all of that really adds up. Just running the business itself is expensive.
1: Dude, it'll, just running a business will nickel and dime you to death. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I, I, I experienced that for sure. Um, but, but, but it's fun. we're, we're largely doing the same thing with ours. Um, And I, we're, we're talking as a business, like, Hey, you know, I'm going to show up, I'm going to be putting in eight hours on a Saturday away from my family, away from a new child. You know, I'm going to take, you know, a small bit of that money and then put it towards, you know, if, if Colter can't come out and my good buddy Kyle comes out to, to help with the class, you know, I'm going to buy his lunch and I'm going to put a little bit of gas in his tank. But other than that, the money goes straight back into the business, and you know we're we're looking at buying a juki sewing machine, or you know some more steel for the classes and stuff like that. So, yeah, I I totally understand that.
0: Um, Outside of medical, though, you know what other gear do you feel like we're kind of starting to dive into, or do you think is kind of overlooked?
1: (sighs) The first thing that comes to mind. Personally, is uh, we're going to take a step back here and go back to night vision. Mm -hmm. Um, I think night vision gets kind of overlooked because it's because people perceive it as expensive and it it is it is expensive. But the fact is that people can afford it. Um, So it it goes right to night vision, right to night vision. Um, Other than that, um, we talked about this. Good footwear.
0: (laughs) No, that wasn't what we talked about. But also, Uh, yeah, good footwear is important. What did we what, just talk about y- uh,
1: yesterday? You're talking to a sick man right now. And I, I mean that like physically. I'm physically sick. So. <laughs> Not mentally sick.
0: <laughs> Remind me again. Uh, it's, it's its a big hot topic on Instagram right now.
1: You're going to have to pause this podcast and I'm going to get on Telegram and go back <laughs> and look. Coms. Coms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Comms, dude. Coms. Big time. Coms because it shit's fucking – like, hard to understand. It, it you gotta is. got to have a comms nerd, man.
0: So, shout out to comms in logistics because he was my, my comms sensei when I started diving into all of this. And that's one thing I always used to tell him when he was teaching me everything and sending me links to learn stuff is that comms is, is not an easy topic to understand as it is. Let alone, there is not a knowledge base outside of ham for this civilian side of all of this. Yeah. Um, and unless you have a guy that has some sorts of maybe career in something communications or like a very extensive career in the military with comms, I mean, self-teaching yourself comms is, That's it's, a- it's near impossible. Yeah. It's not impossible, but it's near impossible. And because even if you can teach yourself off the internet, it's hard to find the resources to actually, do everything that you need to do Mm -hmm. let alone you know there's the legalities of a lot of things surrounding comms without getting into anything Mm -hmm. specific and what the community is trying to accomplish at this point for a lot of people borderline does not necessarily fit into the realms of legality yeah Um, which which i which i don't care about it's it's whatever Do, do what you think is best for your individual group um But that's also not. uh, Let me also specify, everyone. I'm not telling everyone to go commit felonies.
1: I need to make that very clear. Yeah, that's a ten thousand dollar push talk. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So you know, be wise with your, you know, experiments and what you venture into. But you know, comms is something that's extremely limited, and that's the thing. You know, because I'm in a lot of comms chats on Instagram at this point with a lot of other pages, is that. As much as we want to try and influence and change the culture of comms, the more we learn, there's also only so much you can post publicly. I may be able to mm-hmm. tell you something privately and it's no big deal, but if I just post it for the public to see, you know, Motorola or Kenwood or, you know, whoever may come back and be like, you know, that's illegal or you're violating blah, blah, blah.
1: And they have oh, public yeah. proof of it
0: now. It's like if I if I want to try and teach someone how to be able to uh, program and, f- and fix all of their handhelds in-house. you know, I want them to be completely independent to do it. That requires some software that you're really not supposed to have. So I can't just make a public Instagram post with a how-to video and then a link to this public yeah. software that I posted. You, you just can't do that. Um, and it's unfortunate, but that's just kind of how it is the market is just limited in that in that yep. sense um, yep like the biggest thing I'm, I'm diving into right now is man packs um for like dedicated field radio operators mm-hmm. and knowledge uh aside the civilian market of gear to support secure man pack radios not analog um Manpack radio, similar to like how the tech prepper does, which he does a really good job. It's just not secure for like any sense of like true tactical comms. Mm-hmm. The civilian market's just not there for it. Um, it's it's just not because everything we're moving towards now is just outdated or surplus government gear that is no longer in use. Mm-hmm. So there's never been a market for the civilian basis.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't help that um, you know posting about comms on instagram isn't sexy you know like Mm -hmm. dudes can post the rifle builds up and guys will run out and grab an eotech because everyone else is running an eotech like you know like lickety split Mm -hmm. but you know someone's like oh hey check out these motorola you know radios that you can get on ebay for this price and then someone's like eh nah i'm good or they do buy it and it's like, and it's like, well, I can't actually use this because, for some reason, it's stuck in this mode. And if I use this, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go to prison or whatever, jail, get fined ten thousand dollars. So I think like the barrier to entry being knowledge for radios is what kind of turns people off.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's so crucial at the same time. Oh,
1: insanely crucial.
0: I mean, essentially, nothing works without communication. If you if you're outside of a very, very small element, no bigger than a squad at any given point in time, you know, eight, eight to 13 guys, depending on what, you know, doctrine you're kind of running off of. If you're in anything bigger than that, and you don't have a comms plan and SOPs surrounding comms, nothing works. Even if it's just the preparedness aspect. If, yep. if, if you don't, if you're dealing with more than a small handful of people, stuff gets really difficult to manage. It does. Um, especially if you take away cell phones. Because cell phones are already a already a security risk as it is.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we see that in uh, the war footage in Ukraine and everything, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So. Ho- hopefully people don't have to learn that lesson the hard way on, on yeah. our soil.
1: Yeah. You see someone taking selfies at the FTX, <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> I would
0: hate for Antifa to mortar my position.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> That would be the worst, man. I mean it's bad enough that you died, but at the hands of (laughs) Antifa's furry mortar team. Oh my god, no.
0: (laughs) Put that into perspective. You died because a furry mortar team caught you on your cell phone.
1: Like the the footage shows the mortar coming down with a little tail on the end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's with glitter.
1: Oh my God. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely right in that aspect. You know, if if anybody who's listening has done any sort of training with more than, I don't know, 15 people, even walking in like, I don't know, a staggered column through woods, the person all the way in the back has no idea what's going on all the way up in the front. And then, you know, it, even just that far of a distance, people, communication starts to break down. Imagine, you know, something going wrong and then having to communicate with someone in an administrative area uh, during something like a field training exercise and you don't have the radios to do it you know
0: or even like just basic vehicle work
1: yes oh dude
0: you'd be right on top of each other but if you guys don't have comms with each other you know nothing matters you just got to follow the the guy at the very front and hope that he knows what's going on and
1: Exactly.
0: If he doesn't, then that's just kind of how it goes.
1: <laughs> you can't we, talk to him. Yeah, we do that. Like when we go on vacation and there's like two or three cars going. I'm like, hey, here's a Baofeng, Here's a Baofeng, Here's a boughfang. This seems to be the safest channel. Don't transmit unless you need to. And people are like, what do we need walkie talkies for? But <laughs> <laughs> it when when you're gonna miss an exit in six seconds. And you don't have the time to pick up your phone, unlock it, call somebody, wait for them to answer and say, hey, take the exit we just passed six seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's just such a simple example, you know, um, is the vehicles. You're absolutely right.
0: Um, and even like this is the other part that I'm trying to tackle right now because I don't have enough projects on my hands.
1: No, of course. Uh,
0: is like more long-distance comms from like the preparedness aspect, like just Mm -hmm. base stations in houses, there's no secure way of doing it. You can set up HF voice communications just like any standard ham guy does, but it's not secure. That's my biggest thing is, you know, how much money do we invest into something if it's not going to be secure as it is? Right. You know, are we really going to build out seven eight hundred dollar base stations and antennas with battery supply and whatnot in everybody's houses only for some dude with a forty dollar Amazon scanner to hear us?
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> See, it's that's, a difficult that's, I think that's something else that people run into. They're like, hey, man, I just spent damn near a thousand dollars on these radios. And we can't even use them because someone with a piece of, like you said, $40 piece of equipment picks it up. And especially if it's somewhere stationary, like, yeah, 100%, man.
0: And I think that kind of goes into why having a non-documented or at least non-publicly like publicly available documented SOP or emergency guideline plan on what... Like let's say you have you and nine buddies and your immediate families that live in your house with you are all your responsibilities so you have 10 families that are a part of your network and we don't have base stations set up at all our houses to communicate and we're too far spread out to utilize handhelds to talk to each other we're spread out over two or three counties but you know if something goes wrong you need to have some sort of well understood plan in place that says at this time increment or when this event occurs all of the families do this to come together and it requires no communication at all everybody should just know step one two three equals the
1: plan yeah yeah um i've i've floated something like that with my guys um sort of like a like a i guess that could fall under a pace pace plan like hey look
0: it's just a big pace plan
1: phones don't work internet doesn't work handhelds don't work all right after this amount of time we're gonna meet here um, yeah I mean people people don't really think about that either I mean this is I think this so I've, I've also floated the idea of wargaming certain things mm-hmm. and this is I mean for guys to wargame it literally costs nothing except for printer ink or you mm-hmm. could just use a tablet or whatever but we have floated the idea of like hey look what happens if this area this area this area in our in in our town or county floods and we have to do this mm-hmm. go it's it's basically playing dungeons and dragons with with you know real life maps and everything and kind of figuring out what we're going to do and having a pace plan like that is important and it becomes
0: even more difficult to do the bigger your community gets which some people may want to limit the sense of their community or their network. Some people may not want to limit the sense of their network. You may get up to the point where you have a hundred trusted dudes because you're all, you know, s- you know, self-referenced individuals, and everybody preps, and everybody gardens, and everybody trades together, and everybody trains together. That's a big. That's a big plan. Yeah, you know, that that requires a lot of logistics.
1: That's and big, massive.
0: And the bigger your organization gets, the more logistics it requires. But you're right. Wargaming is is a great way to just train all of these aspects without being able to do it. And I was thinking about it today because I was at a local park. Um, I took my horse out for a little, little exercise ride like 15, 20 minutes from my house. I was like, this park would be great to train at, but Mm -hmm. I can't bring 20, 30 dudes here in full kit and set up a command tent and do all of this crazy stuff. (laughs) You know, space is probably the biggest limiting factor I think of a lot of people's training
1: mm yeah that's another one
0: so wargaming, yeah you may not get all of the real world experience and um, exposure that you may want but you know you get some and you were in my very brief uh, uh, operational planning class that around the schmiak back in December
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I mean yeah. that's a that's a lot yeah. And that's just planning to do one thing that's not even like you know a whole shebang
1: yeah but I think that it really brings to light you know if you, as long as you have like one person dedicated to playing devil's advocate or like the questionnaire at, at any given wargaming scenario like someone says okay well then we're gonna take water to this person okay well what do you have to store water in like is that like are those 55 gallon drums? that you bought were those used to have like were those used to transport like some sort of toxic chemical before are you sure those are safe for water Mm -hmm. like so on and so forth it really brings to light what you do and don't have and what your limitations are
0: it's like you said earlier logistics
1: yeah i mean I
0: i think a lot of the community is starting to think logistics
1: And you know, that's good. And I, I seen this start to happen around the time that grand thumb was talking about recce and the whole recce meme happened, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people look at the whole recce meme as like a negative thing. It's like, Oh God, people will not shut the fuck up about recce, but it's like, Hey, look, dude, this is good. Our community's moving. Like we're moving forward here. This is, yeah, it's a meme, but like, this is a, that was a stepping stone. The whole Mm -hmm. recce meme. It's like, you know, Hey, we're, we're we're not just focused on mark 18s and cqb and clone builds now we're actually moving out to you know having rucks and so on but yeah i think that was a good thing
0: which i hope i wish he would put out more videos of like how to survive in the mountains or you know urban i wish he'd put out more of those videos those videos were top notch
1: oh dude 100%, 100%. but those 100% vi-
0: but those videos are hard to develop yeah. as a as a guy that does youtube videos and i've done i think 3 videos of the modern miniman series those videos are kind of hard to develop because you want them to be, you know, a quality listen. You don't want mm-hmm. them to be like some people's YouTube channels where they just stand in the woods and rant for fifteen twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, you know you you want it to have good quality to it, and the and the education that comes with the video to be you know structured. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to write. Um, it is, and, and it takes time. And Grant Thumbs, you know doing it they're doing this stuff full time now you know other p- channels you know smaller channels like ours and whatnot you know I'm trying to balance 984 projects while also try to fit in a two or three YouTube videos a month
1: I know the feeling
0: it's a pain social media is I used to I, I definitely did not have a understanding or appreciation for like social media people until I unfortunately became a social media person
1: hmm It's a, it seems a lot more simple than it is, but you know, I mean, hell dude, ask my wife when I was making that gun culture 3.5 post, um, some of the photos weren't formatted correctly. The first time I posted it and it like Mm -hmm. cut off half of them Mm -hmm. and I had tagged like 20 freaking people in it and everyone was like, Hey man, I can't see the post. What's going Mm -hmm. on. And then, you know, someone's like, Hey, the half of the pictures are cut off. I can't read them. What were you using to create those photos? uh, gimp. It's like free Photoshop. (laughs) Oh, okay. But, um, yeah. So I had to look at my formatting and then, you know, I had to like type up some type up all that stuff again. And then I would go to post it and then I'd realize like, Oh, there's a little typo here. And then I had to go back and redo it. And Mm you know I lost like two hours of sleep over that and then had to completely redo it the next day anyways. So, I mean, yeah.
0: So if you're looking to like, um, kind of like how that one was, is like a widescreen. I think yours is in like a four by three mm-hmm. kind of crop. If you go to power, if you do PowerPoint, most of my like educational posts
1: mm-hmm. come
0: from PowerPoint PowerPoint. If you screenshot it, so like if you download PowerPoint on your phone and send the PowerPoint to your phone and open it, if you screenshot it and then crop that screenshot of your phone to 16 by nine, it is the exact size of a PowerPoint slide. Perfect. So, like, all of my photos and everything, I just crop. If, like, I'm doing a background photo with text over it, I just make that photo the entire slide on PowerPoint and then just crop it to 16.9. And it fits. It's perfect every single time. Every
1: single time. That's what I ended up doing minus the PowerPoint. I was like, okay. Well, it's because I'm – I'd actually, at that point, that was my third time trying to post it. And I was like, everything is 1080 by 720. And – but the problem was, except for the first photo, the cover photo that said Gun mm-hmm. Culture 3.5, was not. And for some reason, because I selected that one first and then all the other ones after, mm-hmm. and even though I, I pressed the little two-arrows button to like make sure everything looked correct and it was cropped correctly, because for some reason the first photo wasn't the same, it, it still fucked it all up. So. Oh, yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's, def-
0: it's definitely a little finicky. It, it, there's a bit of a learning curve when it comes to it all. Oh yeah for sure well bud, yeah. do you have any uh any other big talking points you want to discuss or any uh any theories or guidance any da- any dad guidance
1: oh dude i'm not even a I'm not even a dad yet, but um you can, you can be a father. I will say this, and this is something I post about. I appreciate that. I was, yeah, I like that. Um, one thing, <laughs> one thing I do want to say, and this is something I talk about all the time, but it's not as popular as like talking about gun culture. Mm-hmm. is the fact that you are always watched, whether it is mm-hmm. by your cousins, your nieces, your your in law niece or in law nephew, or you know someone's brother's cousin's neighbor who's mm-hmm. who's around you, whether you're at the gym. Whether it's your children or your wife or your parents or your God or your ancestors, you're always being watched. So always set the best example you can no matter what. And always pr- always hold yourself as if you're being watched and judged 24-7 because you want to be what you preach. And if you preach good things, then you need to do good things. And if you don't do good things, then you're a fucking fake. So do good and always always hold yourself as if you are being watched and setting the example because you are everyone. Someone is always watching you. So set that good example and be the change you want to see.
0: That's deep. And that's, and that's very true. There's been many times in life where I've been like, if someone was watching me, would I act differently? I find myself in the gym, say that a lot too. I'm like, if I was working out with a partner right now, would I do these extra reps? even though I'm tired of shit or this feels yes. heavier than it normally is today or, nice. you know, I, I think about that sometimes. So I think that's a, that's a very good, um, you know, piece of guidance. So thank you. Um, uh, th- and thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: Oh dude, thanks for having me. Like for sure. Like, thank you for having me. Like, uh, I've, I've always been very impressed with your business and I've always been like impressed with, you know, how, how your group holds, holds themselves and everything else. So, Um, It's a pleasure being on here. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Well, thank you, and I appreciate that. All right, guys, that's all I've got for Episode 19, Evolution of Training and Culture. As always, train hard, train often.
1: Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up louder Call me what you wanna, but you can't call me no coward Strength the numbers, we the people, still the ones with power Fighting fire with fire, time to take back what is ours Tell me turn it down and I'ma